Tango Charlie Papa, episode number 26, October 29th, 2020. This show is produced in partnership with Hospitality Technology and Restaurant Technology Network. Smarter hotels, smarter restaurants. Hey, how's it going, gang? It's Jim Knight here, speaker, author, and podcaster. And I'm with Skip Kimple on the Tech Chef Podcast. Off-premise strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? Drive-through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu, cooking up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with a tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Welcome to this special bonus episode of The Tech Chef. I am your host, Skip Kimple, and I am happy to have you join me here today. I'm going to keep this preamble pretty short and dig right into today's special content. A training and development veteran for 30 years, Jim Knight is a rock star in every single way. Many of you know him from his hair. That's right. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to skipkimple.com to see his full bio and his picture. Motivational speaker, author, and philanthropist, Jim Knight has been recognized by Training Magazine as representing one of the top 125 training companies in the world of all industries and businesses. Jim has since been featured in Forbes Magazine, Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, Nation's Restaurant News, Business News Daily, and Fox Business News. Jim is the owner and CEO of Night Speaker, which positions him to facilitate in any association or company event in any industry as a keynote or breakout speaker. He is also the best-selling author of Culture That Rocks, How to Revolutionize Your Company's Culture, now in its second edition, which was featured in Entrepreneur's Magazine as one of the five books that will help you transform how you do business. As a fellow podcaster, we have quite a bit of fun during this episode, and I'm going to bring you Jim Knight's personal thought that rocks. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know you're a busy guy. This is busy times. But you are truly a rock star, and uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to actually speak to my listeners today. Oh, my pleasure, Skip. You know, I've been uh, looking forward since we talked to be on the Tech Chef, and uh, man, I, I know that uh, people will throw that rock star term around, but uh, I feel like I'm a rock star when I'm on your show. So you, well, no, you, for having me, buddy. You are a rock star, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. How did you gain this rock star persona? Because anybody who's seen you at a conference or has looked at your profile, man, you got the hair going on, you got everything going on, you got the guitar, you got the singing. Where, where does that come from? Uh, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all about the blue jeans of the hair. <laughs> no, you know, my, uh, my background was uh, a little bit music. I went to college to be a musician, honestly. I thought I was going to be a rock and roller. And, uh, you know, I do have my degree in performance and education. But honestly, I found out that to make a living at that, you had to be good. And so I, uh, I changed careers. I was a middle school teacher for six years. So I loved being in public education but like uh, your audience, I mean, I just fell in love with hospitality and spent about 30 years in that industry, 21 of those with Hard Rock International. So 
Although, yeah, I, you know, being in a brand like hard rock, it was very music orientated, but I still pull the levers of education and my music background. And, you know, I'm as close to being a rock star as I'm ever going to be in doing what I do now, which is, you know, really as a professional speaker and an author and a podcaster. And yeah, so, you know, I, I hang out with as many people as possible that are quite talented and every once in a while they'll let me up on stage and hang out with them. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's the rock star lifestyle. You got to bring a little bit of the swagger when you can. Exactly. I got to ask you when you're an educator, did you, did you have the big hair at that point? You know, I've always been known for my hair, but when I was in uh, public middle school, I was uh, when I was teaching, I had long hair. So instead of my hair going up, it went down. I had about two and a half feet. You know, this this mullet, this mane that was behind me that I could almost sit on, and I had that two times in my life. So, you know, now it's so much easier for the thing to go spiky and go up. But back in the day, you know, in the '90s, we all had mullets. But yeah. The kids loved it. They thought it was cool. Ooh, so, okay, you just hit a uh, sore spot with me because um, when I was an entertainer, which probably most of my listeners don't know that history about my background, I'll be a whole different episode. Um, I've got these pictures every once in a while. I'll throw out on social media, and I've got long hair, and everybody says I've got a mullet. Now, I, to, the, to this day, I deny it's a mullet. It's just bad lighting on my hair, that's all, but... Uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny that uh, everybody thinks that right now. Hey, if it was short in the front and, and long in the back, it's a mullet. No matter how you slice it, it's, <laughs> it's the old, you know, oh, man. party in the back and business up front. Oh, you're not doing me any good. You know, every time I talk to you on the phone, I feel like I've got to I've got to use my show voice, you know, live at the uh, Lugger showroom tonight. We have Jim Knight because you, you're just you're just got this persona. Just anybody who listens to your podcast, which we'll talk about later in the show. Um, you always start off the show with some craziness with you and with you and your partner, which once again, we'll talk about later on. Um, you know, the first yeah. time you and I met, uh, I was working for Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza and you came in as oh, yeah. one of the speakers. I think we were over in Naples, Florida. What was what was interesting to me is the way you were able to connect to our team members. You brought that persona, you brought that vibrance and uh, just this this great feel to your to your discussions and your, your motivational topics. Uh, how do you achieve that? Do you do you adjust that for every single audience, or is your personality your personality? And uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's. I, I'm, I'm curious to how you how you approach that from a motivational speaking point of view. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks a lot for the the compliment. That means a lot to me, especially that it resonated so long. It's been uh, you know maybe two years or three years since uh, since that session. You know, it's um, I, I like to think that I'm extremely authentic in person, but there's no lie. When I get on stage, I do amp it up a little bit. You know, I, I do feel like I've got a little bit of uh, showmanship that has to go into it, but I want it to be edutaining. You know, and I've always thought that when I was a middle school teacher, when I was singing on stage in anything I've ever done, if I was ever doing some acting in some community theater, I thought it's not enough to be competent you really have to bring the thunder when it comes to a delivery. And now I especially know how critical it is as a speaker. I don't, you know, first off, I don't ever claim to be a motivational speaker, you know, and I have friends that do that, you know, they want to inspire and motivate people. And I do think that's a, a pretty cool byproduct from some of my sessions, but it's not my end game. My goal really is to educate people. I, you know, I'm a teacher at heart. I want people to push back from the time and say, man, that was awesome. That was a great use of our time. And oh, by the way, we had a few yuck yucks along the way. So, 
you know, I would like to say that regardless if there are 10 people in front of me or a thousand people in front of me, and it doesn't matter the industry, I'm always going to sort of bring that level of fun, of information and try and blend those two together. So I think what you saw is probably what you would get, but I do customize all of my sessions depending on who the, uh, who the audience is. And I really do that on behalf of the client. I want them to feel like I'm not just yanking something off the shelf that I thought very specifically about their people, their industry, their brand. And if I can make it a little bit more, you know, unique to them, then, uh, then that's even just a, a icing on the cake, if you will. Yeah, you definitely hit home to our demographic. I think that was the most important part. You're relevant. And I've seen, you know, I've been involved in several other similar type of situations talking to our team members, and they're not always relevant to them. And I think when you can really strike a chord within their hearts and you can get to them, they get it. It, it just, you know, their attention is there. Their, um, you know, their motivation is there and they walk away with just enthusiasm, which I think you truly brought to the table um, during the time that I saw you. Well, that means a lot to me, buddy. Thank you, Skip. I, that's not just because I got you on the show. I've always said that about you. And, you know, even when we were, at, when I was in Anthony's, I said, that guy was great. Can we bring him back? And they're like, well, we got to, we got to swap it up every couple of years. But you know, I would love, I'd love to see you more actually. And I know you, a lot of listeners know who you are solely due to the fact that, um, you have spoken at so many different uh, events out there. I got to ask you this. So you, you're up there, you play all this cool music. You got great intros. I, I got to just throw this out there. What's your favorite band? Oh man, you know, it's, it's probably one of my biggest questions. Um, and I'll tell you the safe answer is probably something like you two, you know, I, I, I'll definitely say that I grew up listening to prog rock and classic rock. So I'm a huge fan of Yes and Journey and Genesis and, you know, that sort of mentality sticks. But when you're in the public domain, a lot of these people, especially the younger crowd, don't even know who any of those bands are. So right. kind of go with the generic <laughs> U2. But even more than that, my biggest love is a bunch of maybe almost European, what we call power pop. I, I love a lot of harmonies. Um, I love a lot of keyboard, you know, again, still with some prog rock, progressive rock infusion, but it's bands like IQ, It Bites, Jellyfish, Stereophonics. Again, I mentioned a bunch of bands that probably a lot of your listeners do not have a clue about. So when I'm on stage, I can't talk about or use any of those artists. I wind up going right down the middle of the plate, you know, the plate, which is U2, which is the biggest band in the world. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a prog rock guy. Yeah, if you don't know who U2 is, you probably shouldn't be speaking at their event because that's probably... Hey, believe it or not, believe it or not, there are people in the audience now, Ooh. it's starting to happen more and more that there are a couple of people that will raise their hand that say they've never heard of the band. And I might be asking <laughs> about the Who or the Rolling Stones or the Beatles, and they've never heard of them. It's crazy. Ay, that's a scary thought, right? It's depressing, right? <laughs> I think you and I probably come from the same area of rock and roll. Um, what are some of your, your themes of your tracks that you speak about? Yeah, the majority, I guess, I'm probably known because of my background with hard rock, right around culture, probably focus on customer service. Those tend to be my top two hits. Um, you know, in my heyday when I'm doing 75 to 80 engagements a year, that obviously has changed a little bit right now with uh, the current environment doing a lot of stuff virtually, but people still come to the well looking for culture. How can I amp that up? And how can I really rock out my culture service, my, my service, whoever my end users are. Now, I, I know your audience is right 
you know, from my background, I do think hospitality, restaurants, hotels, a little bit of retail as well. You would think that's the majority of what I do now, but you know, the majority of what I do is outside of that industry. It's banking and insurance and funeral directors and clowns and senior assisted living and whatever. If somebody's looking for somebody to come in and speak and they want something different, then I've got a shot at perhaps being their choice. But culture and service are my first two. And then uh, I start to get into leadership, uh, certainly about how to build a, a rock star team and even on performance management. If somebody really goes crazy and they want a keynote and a breakout, or if they use me a couple times, like Anthony's, if they want to bring me back the next year, they might want to go for something a little bit focused for their management. You know, how to coach and counsel an employee, how to do an interview, how to handle a guest complaint. Like I can do those tactical things, but most people want the broad, fun, rock and roll oriented stuff. Well, yeah. And I'm trying to figure out, you just mentioned a couple terms. You mentioned uh, doing stuff for clowns and uh, funeral directors. I mean, I, oh, yeah. how do you bring that rock and roll attitude to an environment like that? I, you know, obviously you know yeah, how to so do fun. it. Yeah. Well, well, clowns, you know, they're pretty used to doing some wacky, crazy stuff, but funeral directors for many years were my number one clients. And so if you think about really? it, really, and I, and I sort of use insurance, I use banking, I use real estate. Well, real estate's pretty, those are some pretty uh, interesting humans. But you think about some of these industries that are, I guess some people think very conservative, they're quiet, they're a little bit more reserved, maybe even, you know, middle of the plate in a lot of ways. And so if you trot me out there with the jeans and the hair and the rock and roll and all that, I think that's part of the reason I got hired. I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's, uh, they're looking for a, a breath of fresh air and ironically, the stuff that any industry is looking for help on is the exact same stuff that we look forward to in hospitality. So when I start talking about how to amp up your culture, service, performance management, building a team, these are the same things they talk about. So even with, uh, let's say, funeral directors, I actually have an entire chapter dedicated to that industry in my book because I'm trying to do everything in my power to influence and impact that, that uh, industry. And so they're thinking differently about the cars that they're using is hearse. They think about their buildings instead of being these low ceilings. They literally, not just figuratively, they literally are raising the roof. They're incorporating more music. They have entertainment. They're able to do food. They can bring in, let's say, ice sculptures or an area where you could bring in a Harley Davidson if that's the family member who passed. They're doing you know, painted hands that you can put on a casket before it goes down. They're thinking about biodegradable caskets. Like there's so many things now that, they just have not really changed that industry for years. And so I'll go in and if they're open-minded to it, I just want to be a, a catalyst, a thought starter for them to think, I think I can make this better for today's generation versus the way we've always done it. That's how I approach any industry at this point. Wow. Actually, <laughs> that's an amazing conversation. That's a totally different podcast. Right? <laughs> it completely blows me away. I almost would like to do a separate broad, uh, podcast specifically on that. So you actually mentioned something there that intrigues me. You said you have a whole chapter in your book. Now, I know you're a multi-time author, including some new release. Which book are you referring to? And, and give us a little plug on that. Yeah, my first book was called Culture That Rocks, um, as you can imagine. And, uh, you know, it's got some autobiographical stuff in there and certainly some currents and eddies with uh, Hard Rock International. But the majority of it really is just 35 to 40 examples. There's a lot of case studies of both bands and brands. I use a lot of those analogies. And it's a how-to business book. It's how can you absolutely 
amp up your culture? Or in some cases, how do you revolutionize it if it's in the ditch? And it'll touch on things like hiring and retaining employees. It'll talk about technology and philanthropy and a huge swap on customer service and actually defining what the heck culture is. So that book has been out for about six or seven years. Um, what I'm now doing is I'm deconstructing that book because that was color, hardcover, written you know 10 years ago. Uh, now I wanted to make it a little bit more updated, a little bit of a 2.0 and, and make it more relevant. And certainly I've had the luxury of hanging out and talking to some really cool brands that I always wanted to include on the next book. But now what I'm doing is I'm taking out the main themes. My first one will be called Leadership That Rocks, and it's focusing on early and mid-level managers and, and how do you become a great leader. Um, that'll focus on just that specific sort of mindset. I've got another book after that about eight months later called Service That Rocks. And then my last one will be called Engagement That Rocks, which will be all about the employee life cycle. So, you know, these will be short, smaller, thinner, black and white copies. And if somebody hires me for just one of those topics, that's probably the the book that they'll want to get. And it'll be easier for the client to buy copies for everybody. So I actually physically have one book out and it's in an audio, it's in an ebook, it's in a print version. That's culture that rocks. But the others will uh, will be out fairly uh, fairly shortly. I just turned in the first draft of my leadership book, which will come out in first quarter of 2021. Yeah, I saw that um, when you announced that on on uh, LinkedIn. I think it was. Um, that's great. Congratulations. Yeah. I I wrote a big book years ago on how to get a job on a cruise ship because I I worked on cruise ships a very long time ago. But I know That's the awesome. I know the effort it takes to actually write that book and get it out and publish it, et cetera. So kudos to you. That's that's an awesome, awesome accomplishment for you. So you talked Thanks, about buddy. I appreciate it. not a problem. So you talked about, um, you know, to talk about some of your clients. So you've got quite the extensive client list. Um, what are, are some of the most impressive hospitality brands that you've seen out there? You know, there's um, there's actually quite a few. You know, I would say I do get hired predominantly for people wanting an infusion. Maybe they've uh, they've lost their way, or they want to get back to the good old days, or they just, you know, they they remember what it was like 15, 20 years ago. So sometimes I'll go and do stuff for some legacy hospitality brands. But you know, I also quite enjoy the ones that are already crushing it. They're just killing it on a day to day basis, and you know, what they want to do is just bring me in to make sure that we don't get off the rails or I'm just a nice added, uh, you know, value to what they're already doing very well. So one of those is probably First Watch. Um, you know, they're the right now the fastest growing concept, at least breakfast concept yes. in the U.S. They're fantastic. They just do breakfast, brunch and lunch. Uh, I know their leadership team and had a chance to work with them a few years back. But I love those guys. I think they're doing some fantastic work. And of course, you know, you got the tried and true Chick-fil-A, which I know you're a huge fan of, and you do a lot of stuff with Four Rivers. And I wouldn't be saying this if, uh, you know, just because I'm on the show with you, but I'm a huge fan of Four Rivers for a ton of reasons, but certainly because of their business infrastructure, their core values matches up very well with Chick-fil-A. And, and man, that barbecue, is it's pretty good. Quality of food and you know, culture. I, I love Oh man, you can't go wrong with that, right? right. That's, that's what attracted that's, that's me to the company is quality of food, number one, culture. Well, yep. actually I got to say that it's culture was probably more important to me and it is always more important to me in a company rather than quality of food. But I happen to hit, you know, the, <laughs> the, the lucky uh, slot machine with both, both of this company. So I'm very happy to be part of Four Rivers. Trust me. No doubt.
Well, and a lot of your culinary friends that might be listening and anybody that's a chef, I mean, there are people that will still err in favor of the product. And I think it was like that for many, many years. In fact, you know, for me to sort of try and explain to a CEO why we ought to do things in my previous life and my companies, because it was the right thing to do and it would be cool. You know, that that's sort of the mindset of culture. And unfortunately, you can't, you know, you couldn't throw down the culture card back then and be taken seriously if it wasn't tied to the strategic plan. It wasn't something that could be easily operationally executed. Well, now there's way too many awesome examples of companies like Four Rivers and Chick-fil-A and First Watch, at least in this industry, that you can point to and say it's because of their culture that they're getting their results. Oh, by the way, they are an awesome environment. They are clean. Their people are cool. The product is fantastic. But I think it's the totality of all of that stuff where they've created this culture that, in fact, it's it's attracting not just customers, but it's attracting new leaders and, and new potential employees as well. So I think people do get attracted to culture first and foremost these days. I couldn't agree more. I mean, everything you just talked about completely nails it on the head. But I also have to wonder, you know, during this time where you're used to getting out there and, and you know, talking to groups and restaurants in the era of COVID, I mean, this has to have devastated your business, but I know you're very active on podcasting. How have you been able to adjust for these very bizarre times we're in? Well, everybody that I know of in our world has had to adjust virtually, just like, you know, almost everybody in every industry, unless, uh, you know, you're working in a back room where you never have to see anybody or talk to anybody. And that just doesn't exist in the speaking world or in hospitality. We've got to be around other humans. So we've been affected like everybody else. I've had to apply for, you know, payroll protection loans and, and look for small micro grants as much as anybody else, because almost every single, not all of them, but almost all of my in-person engagements were definitely canceled, maybe postponed to 2021. But some of those have converted to virtual, you know, instead of, uh, you know, doing the song and dance in front of them, I'll be doing it virtually, which is, you know, it's a little odd. You've had to set up uh, some studios and we've all amped up our webinar game with cameras and, and microphones and lighting and all of that stuff. But, um, you know, I think the future is probably going to be a little bit of a hybrid. I think some event planners are no longer going to, let's say, do a three-day event that might have, I don't know, two or three keynote speakers. Maybe they'll now go for one, and the other two are either going to be virtually or they'll just use people internally because people are starting to figure it out, and maybe they don't have to spend as much time, energy, effort, rigor, money on going and getting an outside resource. So, that's a bit of a bummer. You know, I'll definitely see some speakers that will just go under. They won't be able to survive because they either don't have the credibility, they don't have the goods that we talked about earlier from either a content or a delivery standpoint. And really, you've got to have all of that now to be able to make it through to the other side. So I'm lucky for the reasons that you mentioned. I, you know, I've got other products. I've got a book out there. I do a lot of virtual stuff. Um, and the podcast helps. Although, I'm not sure I could point directly to it and say that we're able to make money off of it. And I'm not sure I ever want to monetize it unless somebody wants to just come to the table and say, yeah, we'll pay you to mention our name and have some sponsorship. But other than that, I'm just having a blast doing it with my good buddy, Brant Menzoir. And uh, hey, listen, if we can impact and influence somebody and, and maybe they get to the point that they go, yeah, I'll go buy that book or I'll go and bring him in to uh, speak at my event virtually or in person. We'll take that. 
Yeah, let's jump to your podcast for a second. Let's talk about that. So the podcast is Thoughts That Rock, and anybody who has not subscribed yeah. or downloaded to it, you, you need to do that. And of course, you need to leave a five-star review, not only for my podcast, but <laughs> <Right>. your podcast. <laughs> um, because the point of this discussion is you have a very interesting motive for getting people to listen to your podcast and grow your audience. And that has to do uh, with the uh, Cannonball Kids Cancer Foundation. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, my my life for the most part has always had a charitable component. You know, I learned that from my parents, um, you know, certainly in church. And then you work with a brand like Hard Rock where I cannot remember any marketing initiative. I don't care if it was live music or some campaign anywhere that didn't have some sort of a philanthropic component. So it's always been a part of me. And even now I give back a portion of my proceeds from every speaking engagement, every book sale. And certainly when we get people to, to subscribe to the podcast, we help out two charities. So one of those is No Kid Hungry, which uh, a lot of people will know that's the Share Our Strength organization. And anything that's been hunger related, obviously in this industry has been a big focus of mine. So when you buy a book, that's where that, some of those proceeds go. But like you said, my speaking and the podcast we support Cannonball Kids Cancer Foundation. And really, this was brought to my awareness because of brand. So my, my partner um, in crime in some training consulting in the podcast brand, Menswire, does have a son who's got a rare form of cancer. He's immunocompromised. Um, for, uh, there's a litany of things that happen for him to ultimately find out about Cannonball Kids Cancer, but they're in our backyard of Central Florida. They're based here but they're a national organization. One of the things they do is they really are the ones that people turn to when they're, the, the parents have been told that their kids have no more options, that they're basically going to be sent to hospice. You know, let's make them comfortable before they pass on. And parents that have taken a different approach and said, I want to look for a trial, an opportunity. Um, that, that's what Cannibal Kids do. They go out and find a cause, uh, they will fund a trial or they will find a trial and basically are giving kids hope to the hopelessness. They've already been told that's it. There's nothing else we can do. And yet, you know, Cannonball Kids Cancer have really been able to find a way to help support a lot of these families and give them another alternative. So, you know, uh, because they are right here in Central Florida and we've had their founder, Melissa Wiggins, on the show, you know, we just decided that that'll be our focal point. Um, at least on that initiative. And uh, we couldn't be happier. We love, you know, and this is the goal for me anyway. I love making as much money as possible, but that's only because I want to give away as much as possible. And we love writing big fat checks to Cannibal Kids Cancer and No Kid Hungry as well. That is awesome. And I certainly appreciate you guys doing that. And prayers for Brent and his family. I hope everything works out. Um, I completely understand the situation. And, uh, he's you know, doing great, man. I appreciate that. Awesome. He's doing really, really well. Like, you know, he's, uh, he has his bouts from time to time and, and goes back into the hospital. As you can imagine, uh, it, it's probably never over. Um, but he's now, uh, in his twenties and, uh, and doing quite well. Awesome. If there's anything that any of our listeners can do, please reach back out to me and say, Hey, this is what we're looking for. I will reach out back out to my networking and, Somehow, I have a feeling we could make something happen. So thank, thank you again for doing that. That's great to, to talk about that. So I got to ask, ask you about Brant a little bit. So you start off your shows, you're, you're, you're singing together. Who's got the better voice there? 
I, I can oh, never, I can never tell please. if it's you or Brand singing. I don't, I don't know you too enough to know who's, who's actually got the better voice. It is a little bit of a problem for us because we do sound a little bit alike when we're online. And sometimes it's just nice to have a female guest. That's why we have a, a you know, a girl actually do the introductions well to break it up. I can't imagine having three guys on the line, but Brant is an actual rock star. I'm a rock star in my head. This dude is amazing. He does uh, play guitar. He performs his band. He's been in a band something like 30 years. Um, he had the, the number one song or number two song, I think, on iTunes just last year with his band Big Kettle Drum. Um, and as he moves into more of the motivational speaking and, and his new book that'll be coming out uh, actually here in September, at the end of September, is called Black Sheep. And it really is a phenomenal book. He's an awesome, awesome guy, but he is quite talented. So, you know, again, I was joking before, but when he's up on stage or with some of our other friends and have a bunch of musicians up there, Every once in a while, they'll let me up just to do a little bit of some Johnny Cash and some, you know, a, a, a karaoke tune or two. But my voice when I was in college was very, how do I say it? You know, classically trained. It was church, opera, you know, formal, choral. That That's not going to make it in the rock and roll world. You know, his voice is amazing. So, yeah, he, he's got a better one, although we'll both be goofy maybe on some of these songs every once in a while. He'll belt out something really well, and uh, I'm just blown away by that talent. Well, I love I love the goofiness aspect. I mean, that just brings the realness of who you guys are to your show. So uh, don't give that you know, up. That was a real that was a big discussion before we started. I just want to say, you know, we you're, you're talking to big level CEOs. We've had some amazing guests on there, and so on one hand, you go, we want to be taken seriously, you know, but on the other hand, you go we've got to have a little bit of that edutainment that we talk about when we're speaking and writing anyway, let's have some fun. If for no other reason, this is what gets us up out of bed to come and spend time together. I mean, he lives an hour away. So we have to, when we get together in the room, half the time we're busting gut laughing before and after we actually do the the recording and some of these songs. So, you know, we actually think through that. And I know it's goofy for some people. And I've even had people say, you know, when you guys get past the uh, the singing part, it's actually a pretty good show. You know, that it's funny for us to hear that. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of our fans out there that dig having both uh, yeah. the goofiness, but also the series. I, I, you know, I can't wait. You know, when I first came across your show, I, I wasn't aware of your show right away. I went back and I re-listened to like the first five minutes of every single episode just so I could hear the goofiness going on because I think that makes, it's a huge part of it, what what you guys got going on. Obviously, you have much more important content to talk about afterwards, but it is a fun factor. So you always start off the show with your guest in regards to, you know, the show's called Thoughts That Rock and you provide life-changing advice from each and every one of your guests. I'm going to ask you right now, yeah. what is Jim Knight's Thought That Rocks? Oh, that rock. Um, you know, I have always stuck by out of anything that I could talk about, there's a few isms that I might say on stage, but my favorite is probably, I do believe that a single person with a great idea can start a revolution. Ooh, and I use this yeah. a little bit in my book. I use it in, you know, on stage in trying to get people to think differently. Let's say I am a middle manager in any industry, in any business. I don't have any direct reports. Um, I don't really have any say so. I'm working on whatever, making widgets, but I have enough responsibilities that I'm called a manager or supervisor. Can I actually make any difference in the culture? 
I hear that quite a bit. It's one of my number one questions that I might even get after I speak right after what kind of hair care products do you use? You know, and I'll, um, I'll, I'll sort of throw this line out to them and say it absolutely does apply to you. I think anybody, whether it's upward delegation or inviting yourself to the party or bringing great ideas to whatever forum, whatever discussion platform exists, if you've got a great idea and you have any type of passion and commitment, you can probably influence a lot of people to go and do something that would be revolutionary. And I think that's that's how countries were overthrown. That's how philanthropic movements are started. And absolutely, that could be an inflection point in how you can rock out a, a culture, maybe even one that's been around for three, four, five decades. So a single person, a great idea, they can start a revolution. You know, my personal mantra is control your own destiny or someone else will. I think that was Jack Welsh. That- I like it the CEO from yeah. uh, GE, what that really means is grab a hold, take the wheel and really put the pedal to the metal. Never let another individual change who you are or what you believe in. Be who you are. I mean, that's why they hired you. I like both of those. So you just had your one year anniversary of your podcast. You had a ton of celebrities on there. Anybody <laughs> listening to the show yeah. needs to go back and at least listen to that episode. Who is your favorite celebrity to have on that show? Oh, man. You know, we, uh, we had so much fun doing that episode. There's, there's two episodes that uh, really stand out, and uh, that's one of them because we did it live, um, and then we pulled the audio out. So it does exist as an audio version. You can go back and listen to it, but you can also go back and look on our FaceTime, uh, you know, FaceTime uh, timelines and actually see it. There's nothing like watching that thing live because of all these celebrities. But I think probably my favorite had to have been uh, Jay Peterman from Seinfeld. He's you know, my, he had, you uh, nailed it. That was my favorite as well. Oh my God. He, I, you know, I don't know the things that he said, he probably spent four minutes talking about his favorite thought. And I, I can't believe, you know, some of it is probably what he would normally say to people anyway, in some storytelling, but I, I had to believe he just made up some stuff on the spot as well. And it was so fun and so amusing to just sort of listen to him. Um, you know, we had, we, we had some pretty interesting people on there. Sir Mix-a-Lot was also pretty interesting to, uh, to listen to. Some of them were goofy and corny and short and others, they went all out and gave us four or five minutes of a thought. So that live episode um, was, was pretty fun, our one-year anniversary. And also we did one that very few people even listened to. And we spent the we spent more time on this episode than anything else, and that's the ASMR. And a lot of people might not know what ASMR is. It's where there's this freaky culture and this natural phenomenon of whispering. And we whispered not only the entire episode, but there were a bunch of sound effects that are in there, like paper that's ripped up and ice that's being chewed and you're pouring soda in a can. And there's a whole storyline that went with that and still some relevant thought, but you know, these ones that we do sort of for us are, uh, are, are quite fun. We had a lot of fun with those, uh, those two episodes, but they're all great. It, I mean, I love all of the ones we've done so far. Yeah. Everyone I've listened to, I've very much enjoyed and I'm, I'm gradually catching up from the past. You've had quite a few celebrities on your shows in the past in regards to interviews Who's the standout in regards to uh, a celebrity from your point of view? You know, we, we have. We've been lucky. A lot of CEOs that a lot of people probably even know in this industry, but I guess our favorite, probably the biggest ones, um, Soledad O'Brien, who is by far one of our favorite guests and, and probably one of the biggest names. Uh, a lot of people might know Scott Kelly, the astronaut, 
Uh, we have Merrill Hodge from NFL and ESPN fame. Um, Johnny Damon will be out in a couple weeks here. You know, we, we've just been lucky that we've had some really big name artists um, and, and have found them through various ways. You know, but even the, the big name CEOs, we just had the CEO of Lendio. We had the CEO of, um, trying to think, Berkshire Hathaway was on. One of my favorite episodes is one that we're launching uh, next week. So I don't, I don't know when this will air, but it comes out second week of September. And it's uh, Steve Cockrum, who's the, the co-founder of Giant. Um, he was amazing as well. So yeah, we've been very lucky to have some big name celebrities. But honestly, Skip, some of the best ones also are people that are next door, good friends of ours. You would never really know them because they're not out in the public domain. Actually, I can tell you right now, our community manager who works with us as part of the show, KT, uh, KT Bladorn, was one of our favorite guests as well. So, you know, it sort of runs the gambit. But um, yeah, that solo that O'Brien was a pretty cool episode. So having said that, who's your pie in the sky interview? I know I've got my own list, but who would you love to have on the show if you possibly could? Oh, man, that's a good question. We, we actually do have a list. We have a list of about 40 that we're going after, but there's probably five or six that are on that blue sky, pie in the sky list. Um, for sure, we'd love to have Tim Tebow for a ton of reasons. Uh, I think he'd be awesome. We're, and then there's the go-to easy ones. We're after the same guy because he's on my list too. <laughs> oh, yeah. he, oh, really? Okay, yeah. Well, he has an investment. Whoever gets him first. All right. So whoever we'll, gets him first, we'll refer him to the other. Sounds good because he has an investment in uh, PDQ restaurants. He's over in Tampa. So um, I've got yeah. that hospitality connection, but he is hard to navigate to get to. He's He's got his own little network going on. He is. He does. He pumps out a ton of content and it's all good, but to get to him is tough. And uh, my daughter went to uh, his night to shine um, event that they do every year for special needs kids that, that basically have a prom where everybody's crowned, you know, king and queen. It's, it's really, really cool at, at uh, you know, thousands of churches around the world. But we love that Tim Tebow for a ton of reasons. There, there's the normal ones like Gary V, Brene Brown would be great. <laughs> so are, um, you we'd free- love to have Jim. You're Go freaking ahead. me out because Gary V is also on my list. I've been listening to Gary V for Gary Vaynerchuk since well, I first started podcasting when he was doing the um, to the uh, Wine Library podcast. So yeah, yeah, you, you and I have a lot of common in here. Who who would want Gary V on their on their show? But you know, there's some interesting ones too. I'd love to have Wayne Brady, who's a local guy um, in, in Central Florida, the comedian. Um, I'd love that <laughs> Scott Strap, also lo- you know local uh, or used to be local. He was the lead singer of Creed. He's got an interesting story of what he's doing now. And really my biggest that we're focusing on is uh, getting Jen Sincero. She's an author for one of my favorite books called You're a Badass. You know, so it runs the gambit. We're, we're going after comedians and musicians and, uh, you know, some philanthropic people, but uh, we have a laundry list and we, we put the, the offer out and sometimes they want to know who's been on the show. So that's what helps when you have some of the bigger names, but yep. You know, you said it best. If you're really just asking somebody what is the best piece of advice, if they've got something compelling to say and it could help our audience, it almost doesn't really even matter who the person is. Once they get past the start of the show, they're in and hopefully they're walking away going, yeah, that was that was extremely useful to me. It's funny story about Wayne Brady. So back in the early 90s, I, when I was an entertainer, I was working on Discovery Cruise Lines down in Fort Lauderdale. And guess who was one of the singers in the show? 
Wayne Brady. So of course he was. I'm hoping to use that leverage against him someday. I bet you I have videos and photographs of those days. If you get him on, let me know because I got some. I got some uh, dirt on him in regards to being able to make him embarrassed. So, oh, that's hilarious! Good, I'll, I'll bring those up. That would be awesome. So, Jim, we're running out of time. I'm going to throw some uh, quick fire questions at you. I did not warn you about these questions, but you're going to do good. What's something that people think makes them look cool, but actually makes them ridiculous? You know, I'll say in my own world, people that try and use music, if they're not a musician or they don't have that background, there's a fine line between trying to be cool and being seeny. And, and a lot of people will cross the line. They yes. go too far and he gets, hey, they're rock and roll, little rocker. And it just, it comes across as being fake. <laughs> Who would you most like to sit next to on a 10 hour flight and why? I'd love to spend time with William Shatner. You know, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I'm sitting in my Star Trek office right now. I have met him before, but I know, you know, he's sometimes tough to be around. And if I had those amount of hours and he was interested and open-minded to it, he'd be, he'd be a guest to just have some fun with. Unless he was sitting next to you talking about the creature he sees on the uh, airplane wing, then that would not be a good thing. And that's a problem. Yeah. Now <laughs> yes. we're in the twilight zone. <laughs> If you got stuck in an elevator and were forced to listen to only one song, what song would you pick? Oh, man, I'm going to go right down the middle of the plate again. I bet you probably uh, one from you, uh, too. You know, I, I, I don't know that I've ever gotten tired of hearing it. I probably would at that point. But uh, one's pretty good. Nice. One last question. Since this is a restaurant technology podcast, how much would someone have to pay you to eat a live spider? Oh man, uh, I, I'm pretty cheap. I'd probably do it for 20k. <laughs> oh, 20k. All right, I might, I might take you up yeah. on that. I don't know. You know what? I changed my mind. I couldn't do it. I don't think I could do it. I, I think the fear factor. I could not eat a live spider. I don't know that you could pay me that much. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you barbecue it, it doesn't. It's not live anymore. So. <laughs> oh, if it wasn't alive, yeah, yeah. 20k. All right. Sure. For sure. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, learn more about what you're doing, obviously, please, if you're a podcast listener, which obviously you are because you're listening to the show, look up Thoughts That Rock. Um, but how else can they reach out to you? Oh, man. Thanks, Skip. I appreciate it. Yeah, there's probably one main way. I would go to my website, which is Night Speaker. That's my last name, K-N-I-G-H-T, nightspeaker.com. You can see everything there. If you really want to go crazy and go to certifiedrockstar.com or thoughtsthatrock.com, those all wind up getting to the same place, and you'll see all the stuff that, that I have available. I appreciate it, brother. Hey, we didn't even get the chance to talk about the Certified Rockstar program, which I, I think that could be a whole episode on its own. But please, my listeners, go check out Jim Knight. Check out his podcast. Give him a five-star rating course give us a five-star rating but uh check out his hair you know you could also go to skipkimble.com and and see the craziness going on there too jim it's been a honestly a real pleasure to have you on it's been fun and all the best to you and i, I can't wait to see you again at another performance same here man i had a lot of fun rock on I told you that was going to be fun. If you have never seen Jim speak before, or if you want to have him speak at your next event, visit nightspeaker.com. That's night with a K. His full bio and contact information can be found in the show notes. So you can go there, click on the link and don't worry about the spelling. Where can you find the show notes? Funny you should ask. 
If you have questions, comments, looking for inspiration, or just want to know where to get some good barbecue, go to skipkimple.com and you can find all the information there. You can always call our comment hotline 954-302-0851. And of course, reach me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. I can't believe November is just a couple of days away. Just as a reminder, go out and vote. But please remember to only vote once. Just kidding. Ooh, I know I'm going to get some comments about that one. Next Tuesday, we are back to our regularly scheduled show, and I have a company on that I have talked about quite a bit during this show, Omnivore. That's right. The company, I like to say, is the Swiss Army knife of POS integrations. I completely concur with them, as they say Omnivore was developed and designed to enable incredible agility in the restaurant industry and ensure that no restaurant ever becomes irrelevant due to the fast-changing consumer uses of technology. Yes, I am a fanboy of their product. Why is that? Well, it's because they make me look good, and that is what a good technology partner should be able to do for you. If you are not using Omnivore today as part of your technology stack, stop this recording right now, jump into your time machine, and tweak your flux capacitor to jump to next Tuesday to get a head start on this. It has been a busy month, so I am going to sign off for October, and I'll see you on the flip side on Election Day. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends.